0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a very special guest on HR Talk today. You know her and love her directly from TikTok, Instagram, and all the other places. We've played her clips on the program numerous times before. Please welcome to the show, Paige Sparks.
1: Having me, I'm so happy to
0: be on. Listen, it's the least I do for America. Trust me, anyone that knows knows that's true. So look, it's uh, <laughs> it's been a long journey. It really has, you know, from the first blush that we saw of you on TikTok, um, talking about employment, labor issues and concerns and and thoughts, to actually having you on the show today. I I truly can't thank you enough for your time. Um, with that being said, tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? What what made you you? as as Paige sparks the lawyer where you are today
1: Sure. so i am from st louis missouri i'm a little bit outside of st louis about an hour and based out of there and you know what i'm like the, the, i like to call myself like the nicest lawyer people are going to talk to i'm not i'm not like a normal lawyer i've had like five jobs, working through undergrad, going through law school, I kind of have a chip on my shoulder about everything, which is why I'm a plaintiff lawyer, like I represent the employee because I've been there, I've been in those shoes. And so I'm a little bit different. I've got a million different side hustles that I like to do and just kind of run around like nuts, do wedding makeup, make wedding cakes occasionally, like I'm just I can't sit still. But so I started doing I actually went to law school because a lot of people told me I wouldn't make it you know, and I'd work best out of spite. I'm like, all right, I have to prove them wrong. So, you know, a lot of students that later I proved them wrong. And so now I'm practicing in plaintiff law in St. Louis, Missouri. I do mostly employment law. I cover a little bit of criminal things, um, but my passion is truly employment law.
0: All the side hustles I'm sitting here thinking about over the years being, being a part-time Wedding DJ, MC, announcer, guy that gets yeah, out there and do there. that. Yeah, I
1: remember you said you do that too.
0: Yeah, it's a totally different ball of wax, you know, and it's pretty intense too, especially if you're talking like the wedding makeup and the and the cakes and stuff like that. Like you, you can't you can't oh, screw yeah. up. It's one and done, you know. <laughs> oh
1: well, you can, and they let you know if you do. <laughs> but, yeah, I've I've done wedding makeup with one of my best friends for about ten years, and we've had the whole every experience from the easiest bridal party ever that's like drunk and they don't care about anything. All the way to like we're getting screamed and cussed at by the bride and the mother of the bride, and we're like, okay, we're gonna go now.
0: <laughs> so
1: I'm sure you have been there too.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's that rush though too, the the one and done rush. There's got to be an aspect of that that still stays with you till today. When we're talking about getting into the courtroom and and you've got that one opportunity to represent the client at the same time, right?
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that. So kind kind of yeah, and and I'm used to getting. I mean not yelled at. I don't know when I say yelled at, I don't mean like actually screamed at most of the time, but like getting talked to harshly by judges or by clients when things don't go their way or, you know, it's kind of, that is kind of part of it is I'm used to getting not like a good job, you know, good job answer and having someone who is unhappy with you and how to manage it, especially because most of the time it's out of my control.
0: Well, exactly. You're just doing the best you can.
1: Yeah. Most of the time, <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. It, you know, and, and it, here's the funniest thing, too, is being a, if you want to be a good trial lawyer, you have to be tired because then you don't react to everything. So like having <laughs> those side hustles and running around and working like a dog when you're getting yelled at, you're like, OK, yes, sir. May I have another? Thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> you just don't care because you're exhausted. But yeah, it does. It, it is kind of similar. And I've had jobs ranging. I've done everything from bartending to wedding cakes. I worked at a gas station for six years, clothing shop, everything. And so it's just funny, like the customer service aspect of it. Like I said, I've been in that person, that employee that I talked to, I've been in their shoes before, most likely. And so it's just kind of funny how I'm like, oh yeah, I know those policies or, you know, when I talk with them, I like to think that it's easier to talk to me because I, because I know what it is to work an overnight shift at a gas station, you know.
0: A lot of people think about moving on in their careers. They think about finally reaching that point where they're in the C-suite, they're, they're wearing the suit, they're eating the sushi, they're going golfing, they're doing all those special things, right? And, and some people get there without having spent the time in those essential jobs to get the start. They might not have that connection, that relationship with what it takes to get the day-to-day work done. The fact that you're representing the employee with that heart and understanding of where they're coming from, that's kind of second to none. You put yourself through school. I like the way
1: you just put. I like the way you put that because I like to think of myself that way too. Is obviously it's like if if someone's born with you know a wealthy family or something like that, they're going to be able to do the same thing I'm going to be able to do. But I think maybe some situations I do have a little more empathy because I've been there. Like I like the way you put that. Well,
0: thank you so much. Well, it's it's true though, right? The emotional intelligence, the empathy, the connection uh, to, to people along the way. It, it, it all comes down to the journey in your life that you've lived. It, you you made mention about school there and, and getting yourself through school. You worked these side hustles to make that happen. There, there wasn't an endowment of millions of dollars bestowed upon you for the hopes of the future, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I have a little uh, like unconventional way that I went through school and through law school, so I don't know that this would work for everybody, but it, for me... Like my mom helped me a little bit with undergrad and I had a bunch of scholarships from high school, but I had a horse that I was showing competitively, which was costing like upwards of 800 bucks a month. So I was working like under undergrad, I was working like three jobs. I was doing showing on the weekends. I was just insane. And I didn't really care so much about school or the grades. I didn't do any Like it was really bad. It just kind of came naturally to me, which really ended up being a crutch later and really kicked me in the ass because. When I went to law school, you're no longer the smartest person in the room. You're among many and actually probably the dumbest person in the room. I know, like practically, I am happy to admit I was. And so when I went to law school, my first semester, I was like, it was hard for me to not have the three jobs and to cut back because that's all I've known. And I tried to do it at the beginning and just totally fell flat on my face and, and was like at the bottom of the curve with the grades of the first semester. And I'm like, all right, I got to reevaluate. I cannot do my old life, like my old <laughs> lifestyle. And so, you know, fortunately, you're allowed to like take a living expense portion of your loan out if you get enough scholarship kind of like gap in there. Yeah. So I, so I really buckled down. And I'm like, all right, this has got to be my full-time job, like law school. And so it was hard for me because of doing those jobs. And I went, I, I did it weird. I don't think a lot of people work that way. I, I ended up going to undergrad for five years because my classes were spaced out with work and then law school, three-year program. And so toward the end of law school, I kind of went back to my old habits and started working. Because <laughs> then you kind of get the hang of it and the grades really don't matter once you have a job lined up. Your your first-year grades are the most important, then after that, they don't really matter. As long as you don't fail out of a class, which I, a lot of people will give me flack for saying that, but your grades really don't matter in law school.
0: Those connections at of- the end of the day, when you finally find that position, when it's either been offered to you or you've networked appropriately or or did your internships or what whatever it may be in your world that you had to do to finally get to that point it changes things right like it's it's that awakening yeah. that you know that there's more than light at the end of the tunnel you could see your life coming together
1: the coolest thing about the connections that you do make in law school too which i wish somebody would have someone told me this at the beginning but i was like oh yeah whatever and I, I wish I would have done it because the first day of law school, someone came and spoke and was like, don't make enemies with everybody, anyone here. You don't know who's going to be a judge, who's going to be your opposing counsel, who's going to be referring you cases and being income. Like, be nice with everyone, be friends with everyone. And by nature, law school is so competitive. They make it cutthroat. They like it that way. And so it, that's not natural. It's like it's natural to be an enemy with everybody while you're going through law school. And so I wish from day one, I would have done that a little better. I, I did try to, once I realized, Oh, that person was right. I did try to do that. And it's true. Like I have people refer me cases who I'm friends with. I have, even have someone who I didn't get along with who occasionally will like touch in and re- like, it's just, so that's like a big takeaway. If someone, if someone listening to this is wanting to go to law school, don't do what I did and be like, Oh, whatever. Like it'll all work out. You really do need that network in that community because People refer cases. You might work for them. They might vouch for you. You just never know.
0: When we think about some of these HR people that actually listen to HR talk, not just here within the United States, but also globally, some of them have that those leadership skills already. They might have the backbone in place. They might not be comfortable with where the culture is going, and they feel that they could do a little bit more. There's been some people that have chimed up that listen to this show that say, you know what? I think I know employment labor law good enough right now. I'm going to go back and, go to school and get that degree and try the bar exam. And then they try the bar exam and then they try the bar exam.
1: Yeah. And then they try the
0: bar exam. It's,
1: <laughs> it is brutal. It is. I was insane. I mean, nobody talked to me for about three months. I was studying. That's all I did. I was psycho. I'm my own mother quit speaking to me. Cause she'd call. And like in your brain, you're like every second you don't spend studying, you could fail. Cause you didn't memorize this one thing. Cause that's all it is. It's basically memorization for the bar exam. And so like, I mean, I was so stressed out. I lost hair. I was freaking out. There are people puking on oh, wow. the breaks during the bar exam. I mean, people really truly freak out. And for good reason, you know, they, they really, it's hard. And, um, people, my own mom would call me and be like, Hey, so how's studying going today? I'm like, what do you want? Like, I don't have time for this. And so nobody talked to me that time. Thank God I passed it the first time. Cause I don't know if I could have handled it the second <laughs> time. It is rough. It is so bad.
0: At some point in the journey here, um, you're, you're now established. You're at the, you're at the firm that you're with. Uh, do, do we say who you're with or do we leave that off the table? That's up to you.
1: No, that's okay. You can. Um, so I work at Ecker Law Group. It's a smaller St. Louis based firm. That's, we do mostly plaintiff side. We'll do, we do anything from personal injury, employment law, like I do criminal law. And we also do a little like weird areas of like laws that, okay, so, this, so someone brings me a case and it's not like a clear cut liability case but I want to help this person. We have some creative ways, which this might be a good like whole another conversation. Yeah. We have some creative ways where we can rope it in under things like the Missouri, um, oh, the MMPA Act where it's like, if it's in commerce, you can still get it in. And so we do weird stuff, which a lot of weird things get referred to us. Um, like I can tell you this, like when everything that's public record, like there's a case right now that I'm on, where an individual got hurt. Um, it's premises liability. They got hurt at a hotel that was under construction because it wasn't properly set up. Oh, wow. And nobody else will touch that case because if you if you read, I can't, I'm not going to go into the details, but if you pull sure. up the petition, the facts are not good. And so if you pull it up, nobody else will touch it. And we're like, okay, well, we think, we'll try. We think we can. And so we do, every, we do weird stuff all the way to like normal, like run-of-the-mill, you know, sex harassment. This happened and this happened, you know, they have a settlement we do a, a kind of like a wide variety
0: uh, you haven't gotten into elder law working out of a strip mall and then periodically doing video shoots and commercials <laughs> right
1: you know you know what people <laughs> my favorite tv show and i don't like legal tv shows and so i love better Call Stop. people tell me kim wexler everyone smiles that's a great compliment to me i love that I'm she okay was with that. so
0: hard working in that show she was unbelievable right
1: Hey, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I haven't seen that. Don't ruin anything. I haven't seen the whole thing because I kind of like only watched the first two or three seasons, I think. Okay. But yeah, I love that. I do love that show. But I love Better Call Saul. And, you know, um, I don't like a lot of legal shows. I feel like they're not really realistic because it's drama and it's fun and like my normal life is boring, you know. But Better Call Saul is pretty, you know, accurate as far as like the scandal, how some other lawyers are, how they act yeah and just the snakiness of it i guess that's why i liked it because i'm like oh yeah that's to- that this totally happened
0: this is real yeah. this happens daily oh yeah <laughs> yeah
1: no, yeah it does
0: one of the things that uh does happen daily also associates with one of those very first clips that the intern brought to the forefront for us on hr talk that oh, really? that the i absolutely read? loved <laughs> and that uh my co-host still has issues with. Let's go ahead and hit this clip real quick.
1: If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. HR is not your friend. At the end of the day, HR's job is to minimize liability for the company, and those people in HR work for who signs their checks, not you. I don't care what they say. If they say they're looking into it, if they act like your best friend, that you've known them forever, don't believe it. If you're being harassed or threatened, consult somebody else outside the company. Don't use their HR and trust them to take care of your business. And one more thing, don't not report something or not do something because somebody in HR told you that it's going to make so-and-so lose their job or they'll have to do an investigation. Like, that's the point. If you're being harassed or discriminated against, use those words, make a complaint, and do it in writing in an email. Don't let HR push you around or trick you.
0: Strong. Very, very strong. and So incredibly true. How many people have actually live this, experience this, they suppress the issues that are going on because they don't want to lose the job. They don't want yeah. to you know, sacrifice what they have on the table and having to pay the bills on a regular basis. So they, they suck it up, aka suck it up buttercup as they say nowadays, right? And they, they internalize that and this goes on year after year after year. It turns into a pattern of repetition so very bad. You're hitting the nail on the head there. HR people don't like hearing it though. <laughs>
1: Well, and you know what? I'm so glad you brought this up. Any Pretty much any video that I do is is inspired by someone I talked to that week that I wish I could have helped them. Like I wish they would have known this or I wish I could have, ex- or, you know, any video I do, it's it's not just most of the time out of my own head. It's because I saw something bad happen to someone who contacted me And I couldn't help them because it was too late, for example. So yeah, this video, I will be honest, I was after work. I was walking my dog, which is why you hear like birds screaming in the background, which is (laughs) so annoying. But I was like, you know what? Someone I just talked to, I think that day was like, I was afraid to lose my job. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to use those words because they're dangerous, right? You're kind of taught to know like when you make it, the first response of a normal HR rep is like, this is a serious allegation you're making. And it's like, yeah, it is. And so they've actually scared sometimes scared employees from making those complaints. And to be fair, it was a little aggressive of a video. Okay. Because it's TikTok, You get 60 seconds. I got to get someone's attention. Like not every HR professional is like that. I'm right. well aware, but I also pretty much only hear the horror stories of the ones that are. So that's why that's why I made the video with someone I had talked to. I was like, Oh, I wish I could have helped them because you know, people contact me a lot of time after the fact and they'll be like, Oh, I was discriminated against. It'll sound like a good case, like a good timeline. Right. You know, maybe I'll even have email proof of they said things that they shouldn't have said. And I'm like, great. Did you complain about this for discrimination? And they all the time, the answer is no. And it just kills me that people are. It's so ingrained for people to be afraid to do that. So that's why I made that video. That's why it's a little aggressive. Why Ricky didn't like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true. And it's the reality of the situation. And and in one breath, while well, employees might feel a little bit more comfortable to try to anonymously report to the EEOC that there's an issue, later on they find out that, well, you can't remain anonymous through that process. Right. Sometimes they're taking the, the good faith and word and actions of that HR guy or gal that they've known for years. They they go to the bar together. They have happy hour. They enjoy. They know their families and kids hey, uh, Ted's going to take care of me. At the end of the day, Ted's not taking care of you. Ted's taking care of the company.
1: I wasn't aware until, so that was my first TikTok video that really went like kind of viral. And I wasn't aware how the normal person thought that way until I was reading the comments of it, is that people think that HR rep means human resource, like that's their resource as an employee. And sometimes it is, but HR rep, for human resources it's managing the human resources of the company like they work for the company and so a lot of people think of them as the as the friend or it's like their union rep they could go to or something like that where yes there are great union reps who have a good balance of that and and go above and beyond for the employee but at the end of the day they work for the company
0: right when we're thinking about those union reps we're thinking about employees having issues If an employee is putting all their eggs in the basket of turning to that union representative and maybe not reaching out to an independent legal counsel such as yourself, could they also be putting themselves at risk moving forward with a potential claim? Oh,
1: yeah. And, you know, I always tell everybody, because people comment on the videos all the time or will reach out, pretty much any person you talk to, like me, who does plaintiff employment law, it's going to be a free consultation. They'll give you like an overview or at least hear you out. And it doesn't hurt to just ask an extra person. It's free. So yeah, go to your union rep, go through the process you're supposed to be doing at your company, whatever's in their policy and procedure for grievances, that kind of thing. But it costs you nothing to just get an attorney on the loop just for you to know and have kind of in your back pocket in case something goes sideways. Because I would tell you, there are some times where I will basically ghostwrite a complaint for somebody who hires me because they're going through certain kind of harassment or discrimination and the union part doesn't keep up and our track goes much faster and I was able to help because we still got that complaint in. It, it never hurts to to kind of do the front work to protect yourself more.
0: Yeah, but lawyers are too expensive. No one can afford a lawyer. We just listen to them on <laughs> TikTok, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, but that's what people don't know. It's not, not for employment stuff. So anything with plaintiff is going to be on a contingency fee basis, which means you pay nothing up front. You only have to pay if you if you recover through through the benefits of that. And so, no, it doesn't cost anything to have that initial conversation. I spend the majority of my week having free conversations with people, evaluating whether I can help them or not, or if they have a case or not. And so, no, it doesn't cost anything to find that out.
0: We've had employment labor attorneys on before, but those that predominantly represent the employers, this is a blessed opportunity, having someone that actually represents the employee on, I'm not gonna drive too hard on some of these issues, but I do have a key question for you here. At what point did you say, TikTok makes sense? Let me start putting (laughs) some videos on TikTok about this industry and start to raise awareness.
1: You know, okay, that's a loaded question because I got so much hell for when I started doing TikToks. Lawyers do not like the whole TikTok thing. Lawyers are so rooted in precedent and there's no, they're not supposed to be advertising. You're not supposed to be doing videos like they're, they were so against it. And it was actually at the beginning of quarantine because I was like stuck at home alone that I'm like, all right, I'm going to check this TikTok thing out. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm not getting to like market myself like normal or talk with people like normal because of COVID. So I'm going to make TikToks of just random questions I get. So that's kind of how it started and how it snowballed. I, I got, I get like nasty grams from, so many other lawyers in my own field even really? like in St. Louis who are like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. And it's insulting to me. Cause like I've done the back, I've checked all the rules. I've gotten yeah. like informal opinion from the Missouri bar saying like, you're good as long as you do this, this and this, Cause you know, you have to have disclaimers and for certain things like that. But I'm, I'm never in my videos being like, Hey, call me. If you, if you slip oh, exactly. and fall, call me. <laughs> it's just informational. It's the equivalent of an informational blog. So right. that's why I started doing it. As, and then, and then it, For the other reason is because there were things that I was like, oh, I wish that person would have known that for their workers' comp case, the adjuster works for the company. You know, like things like that to where I'm like, okay, I can make a quick TikTok and bring this up. And another thing, the adjuster for your workers' comp claim is not your friend. The adjuster's job is to save the company money. They don't care about you and you are not their priority. I don't care what they say. Here's a question you need to ask yourself. Are you signing their check? Or is the company? Because that's who they're working for. It is extremely unethical for the adjusters to pretend to be your attorney, but sometimes they will be, and they act like they're your best friend. So be really clear up front. If you're going to handle it yourself or if you get confused, send an email and say, are you my lawyer? Are you a lawyer? And then there's a paper trail because they're not allowed to lie to you.
0: In the TikTok video, you talk about the paper trail. You've brought up the email trail before. We've, we've heard paper trail numerous times. There's an importance to this, and it's part of the reason why you're putting the word out, right?
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't do it. Again, they're afraid to. A lot of employees that work maybe in a more toxic atmosphere have been told, like, when you have a conversation in person or over the phone, that's the purpose. So there is no trail to it, right? We've all heard the employees who are told that. So the easiest thing to do, and if you piss people off, that's fine. At least you're protecting yourself. It's so easy to be like, hi, so-and-so. This is what we just talked about. It has a timestamp and everything in the email. This is what my understanding of what we just talked about, XYZ. Please let me know if, nothing, if that's incorrect. Thank you. Because now, two years from now, when someone like me is litigating the case, we're not having to play he said, she said, if that person responded to the email or if they never did. At least we have some kind of guidance. And so yeah, I I wish people would really lock in the emails more. But again, I know that's one thing that some of them are told not to do. Specifically, don't do that.
0: You talked about two years later. Are there statutes of limitations on some things? If if you've been oh yeah. You you've been hurt and offended or discriminated against or whatever the case may be for the past decade, but it started ten years ago. And you do have formal proof. Of things over the past ten years, but the past two or three have been kind of okay, and now it's starting to ramp up again. Pointless to reach out?
1: No, not pointless to reach out. I don't think it's ever pointless to reach out. Again, it's free. Just to like go ahead and waste my time and call me, and I'll tell you guys <laughs> or no. Like it's free to it's free to check on it. The worst case scenario, there's nothing I can do, and now you know. But for I can only speak to the Missouri statute limitations for this, yeah. of course. But so for employment matters here, you have 180 days to file a charge of discrimination or make a claim under the local commission of human rights, the Missouri Commission of Human Rights. And then you have almost almost a year, actually, it's like 300 days under the EEOC. However, once that's pending, you then have another statute of limitations, a two-year one from from the act of discrimination that's still going. So you have like many deadlines running at once, which is why it's tricky to handle it on your own. Because... The EEOC is not very timely. They're backed up and underfunded. And so say you file your charge within time and then you just never check on it. Now you did not get your notice of right to sue in time. And now you can't file your lawsuit. I mean, that could theoretically happen. But there are a bunch of deadlines for it. Now, the question you asked about if it's going on for 10 years, there is in Missouri, you can argue, continuing action theory. I think it might be a stretch if it's over ten years, like because we always think of like what this will look like to a jury. Right. I was telling a jury like, yeah, Joe Smith put up the, with us for ten years, but it's really bad. It's hard to harder to sell that the longer it goes on. That's not impossible, and I don't mean to be discouraging. It's just if it's going on that long, you need to check in with a professional who can help you kind of anchor it to a certain time, make that complaint, and now we look at moving forward.
0: There was that uh, one case going back uh, to Ohio with UPS. UPS just got, um, got sued over the past year or so for a discrimination issue. And it came from some of the drivers, a uh, racial discrimination issue. But they were mapping it back saying, yeah, this happened over a very long span of time. Then further narrowly refined it to be well over the past couple of years. And then further even more narrowly refined and defined it to be the specific instance that happened within just the last year. So some of that stuff just could be helping make that case. But like you said, there right there might be a little bit of roll off there at the end of the day when it comes to the perception of things, right?
1: And so for the cases like that, we like to do it that way as lawyers because we want to use all of this stuff that's been going on for years. But a lot of it's not timely and can be kept out of evidence ultimately because of that. Um, before you go to trial, and this like some people didn't know this, I didn't know it before I was a lawyer. You actually will have rulings in front of the judge before trial happens, saying. Am I allowed to bring this piece of evidence in or not? Everything's pretty much predetermined before the trial starts. So if there's evidence 10 years ago that's really good that I want to bring in, I'm going to argue that continuing violation theory, even though it's so far removed in Fargo, I'm going to argue that I want that to be used as context for the evidence for the most recent one that is timely. So I'm sure that's what they did with it.
0: COVID-19. It's gotten us oh, all. We've been stuck home. <laughs> we've, we've been learning new ways of life. We've learned TikTok, of course, you know, be, um, that I, I don't <laughs> yeah. even know where to begin. It's been a crazy year. It's almost like the year didn't exist, Paige, you know?
1: Yeah, I know. Someone I saw a meme somewhere that was like, okay, welcome back to March. You haven't changed from last year at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick up where you started last March. And I feel the same way.
0: When we think about getting back into the workplace now, some employers at the end of last year were taking a look at some of the... Uh, Some of the publications out there saying, yeah, I'm going to have to make sure that I mandate, vaccinate uh, my workforce to get them to return. And there was a piece uh, that that just came out a couple days ago now. Uh, J.D. Supra published a piece this week on vaccination rules and GINA. And in that piece, it says in January 2020, employers finally received new proposed regulations, although they were certainly not as employer friendly as many employers had hoped. Very lengthy article kind of goes into talking about how moving forward to January of 21, that some of those EEOC uh, withdrawals of some of the guidance that they're putting out there as per the Biden administration might have a regulatory freeze put in place, kind of changing the the diagram, changing the landscape of things. In this article, though, they go on to say it's likely that the EEOC will eventually issue new guidance on the issue, but unfortunately, it's unlikely the guidance will come in a time to inform employers anytime soon, and particularly during this critical time period when employers are setting up vaccination programs for their employees and could use guidance on what incentives are permissible. Now, this piece was put together by Joseph Kroger of PC snell and wilmer stopped by jdsupra.com legal news not so fast eeoc withdraws its recently published guidelines there's a lot going on there page how do do we decipher that from a high level
1: well you know this is the most like hot button issue right now is because everybody's wanting first of all the employees wanted to know do I have to get the vaccine if my employer wants me to? Right. And employers on the same hand, are, or if they're wanting to enforce it, how? So before this, that you, the article that you had sent me, I believe the most recent EEOC guidelines that are still in effect are from December, around like December twentieth or so. And per those guidelines, there was a, there's basically a test where if the employer can say it's uh, legitimately related to your job, if they can require it of everybody, there's a test for it whether they can require an employee to get it or not. Which is why prior to COVID, employees were allowed to, or employers were allowed to do that for things like the flu vaccine, okay. where if you work in the health field, they could require you to get the flu vaccine, for example. Yeah. So the, prop, the problem now is because, so like before it was kind of more so related to like, if you worked with children, like as a teacher in the healthcare with, if it was legitimately like, okay, you need to be as healthy and safe as possible because you could spread this to other people, Right. given the field. So now the problem that we're going to be seeing through this guideline issue is it's because it's a pandemic. Is it now necessary for other fields that have never before been related, like, um, you know, an HR professional who doesn't deal with healthcare or things like that? Now that it's going to be jumping to other fields, that'll be really weird to see what the guidance does if they ever decide on it.
0: I'm also curious to see what the future is going to hold when we're talking about returning to the workplace. And if it comes down to like an individual employer's mandate to say, yeah, you know what, per our leadership and guidance and decision making process, everyone returns to the office next Thursday. Oh,
1: yeah, that's what happened to me last week. (laughs) 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 That's what happened to me last week. But yeah, it is, it is going to, it's hard because. There's a lot of cases that are people that I'm getting calls for right now who are in that same situation and they're not able to come back or ready to come back because they have the legitimate health condition or concern and things like that. And so one of the things they can ask for if they're not ready to return would be a reasonable accommodation to continue working from home or to work in a like sequestered place at their office. The problem is, is they don't get to pick their accommodation. They can just request it. And so I've been getting, I mean, probably like 10 conversations a day of this actual conversation to where they're like, well, I still want to work at home because I have really bad, you know, asthma and all this other things. And I, if I can't get a respiratory issue, right which I'm like, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. But if, if your employer doesn't have to do that particular accommodation, they could say, no, you have to come to work and we're giving you an N95 mask and they can do that.
0: And from there, there's no option. That's it.
1: Well, well, yeah, I mean, you they you don't get to you can request your accommodation, but you don't get to pick them. So what I tell people is, you know, abide with what your employer says. If you want to keep your job, you've got to do that. But the thing that we always want to be careful and we want to look at is if if there are further complications related to a disability, like if this accommodation isn't good enough, we want to document it through that email paper trail that we were talking about with reasons why. And then if you start getting negative or adverse treatment after asking for the accommodations, we want to keep track of that because now we'll be looking at possible discrimination. But, yeah, for the most part, your employer picks the accommodations after you request them. You can suggest them, but you don't get to pick.
0: Ultimately, at the end of the day, this is just two people talking on a podcast. This is not official legal advice, right? Is just absolutely not legal advice. (laughs)
1: This is just conversation and informational only, just like I say in all my TikToks. Every state's different, so you really do need to check with a local lawyer if you have any questions because they all vary.
0: Talking about ways that people could reach you, though, and just for disclaimer, we're not saying reach you in the office at your telephone number there, but you could be found on social media for further entertainment purposes and informational needs, right?
1: If you want to go see people fight on my TikTok comments, I'm on TikTok <laughs> as Lawyer page. It's just Lawyer, and my name's P A I G E. And then on Instagram, I put po- I try not to post so much funny or like more funny stuff on Instagram. Not so much legal stuff to make me feel seem like a human, you know. Right. On Instagram, and so my Instagram is underscore page Sparks.
0: That's your real name too, right?
1: That is my real name. Yeah. You want to know something funny? Um, I really like my name, but my, so a lot of lawyers, when they switch over, they start going by professionally, like their middle initial, you know, I think it's kind of like any, I won't even get to it, but I didn't, I chose not to do that for a variety of reasons because, and then the biggest one is my parents named me Paige Michelle Sparks. So signing all my legal documents as PMS. So anyway, I do not go by Paige and Sparks. I go by Paige Sparks. (laughs) I mean, it could be worse, but I was like, thanks, Mom and
0: Dad. Thanks. You brought the joke to the table. I just laughed along with you. I'm not laughing at you. I'm with you on no, this No, show. no, I brought it up. I brought it up. <laughs> you would
1: have never known. I, it is funny. It is funny. When, so sometimes that's how Guys, we'll track. Guys, don't like, make her people.
0: mad. Don't upset her.
1: <laughs> hey, my name speaks for itself. Yeah. <laughs> and What's funny is sometimes that's how we'll sign off on who, like, last read the document, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, come on. Like, come on. Right. PMS read this.
0: <laughs> if you have any worse. any thoughts of of wisdom or advice to HR people that are hearing you on this program today, what would you tell them?
1: Oh, that's a tough one, because normally I don't talk to the HR person. Um, what I can say, OK, I know this contradicts what I told the employee, but if I was at if I was an HR person, I really can like nail them to the wall on their emails. HR people like to spell every single like reprimand out an email and be very specific. And while that's great, and I know why it's required, it's, you know, keep track of things or whatever. I'll just leave that food for thought is sometimes less is more. And like, I can do a lot of damage with a really detailed email from an HR rep, especially one that doesn't know the law and might accidentally say like, this is the reason we wrote you up. And it's like, just what I need. And they put it in writing. So I know that contradicts what I said before, but, you know, putting on my HR hat.
0: No, that's, that's fine. Less is more. <laughs> it's it's policy and culture at the end of the day. And there's so many people that still live and exist in a culture of fear rather than live and exist in a culture of trust. And due to that, this is why we live yeah. and work and operate in this this weird world that we're in right now where some people do need to seek legal guidance and where other people are very comfortable in just telling uh Telling their employee to piss off or swear at them on a regular basis day to day, which I guess legally they can to a degree, but,
1: uh, Oh, sure you can. It's just what happens to you after that. You know, that'll be, that'll be <laughs> maybe a story one time is I did do that once when I was working. So <laughs> it did not end well for me.
0: <laughs> what happened? What happened? Oh,
1: that's a long story. Uh, it's a long do you story. want to go there? Or actually, no? maybe another time. Okay. It's really funny though. I will tell you another time.
0: Okay. Deal. Well, look, it's been a pleasure having you on, uh, you know, it's only a quick glimpse for these past half hour or so together, but it truly has been a pleasure. I can't thank you enough for being here on HR talk. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, stop by TikTok. That's lawyer page, correct? Yep. And over on Instagram, underscore, uh, underscore page. Sparks. Sparks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's some really good horse videos on there. If you want to see my horse do tricks. <laughs>
0: Big fan of the horse doing tricks Ladies and gentlemen, Paige Sparks Take care